You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. I'm going to be honest, I don't even have a sermon title for some reason. So we're just going to call it Mary today. Let's just go ahead and do that. Because we're going to talk about Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed, but I can't even read that one, sorry, to a man whose name was Joseph. She was engaged to Joseph, how about that, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice. Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. It's a pretty good entrance. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Seems to be a pretty happy one. But uh, verse 30 says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. This thing is getting even better. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and the son shall call his name Jesus. Amen. So I want to highlight three truths out of that passage right there. Number one, that God wants to find you. Number two, that God wants to bless you. And number three, God wants to give you a purpose. In this passage of Scripture, we're going to see the way that God interacted with Mary is the same way that God wants to interact with you and how God wants to interact with all of humanity. God wants to find you. God wants to bless you. And God wants to give you a purpose while you're here on this earth. To each and every person. He's no respecter of persons. He cares and loves for each and every one of you. He wants to see you succeed. He doesn't want to see you die. He doesn't want to see you fail. He doesn't want to see you not succeed. It says that God is for us. He's on our side. And if he's for us, then who can be against us? Amen? He wants to find you. Look how specific God gets in this passage, in finding Mary. He doesn't just go door to door, it says. He doesn't go from town to town. Gabriel isn't going through the phone book looking for Mary, trying to find where she lives. No, no, no. In verse 26, it says, now in the sixth month, the specific time, God sends an angel, not just any angel, He sends his number one guy. He sends the best guy. He sends Gabriel. There's a lot of angels showing up throughout the Bible that don't have names. But in this moment, in this circumstance, God says, no, no, no. I need you, Gabriel, to go and send this message. Was sent by God. Look at where he was sent. To a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph who was of the house of David, and that virgin's name was Mary. He sends his best angel to Galilee, to a city. God knew her relationships. God knew where she was at. God knew what she was doing. God knew what season she was in. God went right there to that exact moment to find her. And when he showed up, he didn't say, are you Mary? What's your name again? Let me check this off. Hold on, let me see. I've got a lot of visits today. 
got a lot of people I got to go see. No, no, he shows up and knows exactly who she is. He doesn't find Mary in a palace. She's not a queen. She's not a queen. Is that what I said? A queen, yeah. She's not a princess. She's not in this high palace in, in some type of political office. He doesn't find Mary in an office building as this powerful CEO that's commanding all of these people to do her bidding, who has all these finances. He doesn't find her in a private jet flying from meeting to meeting. He doesn't find her in the middle of the city fighting crime with power like Wonder Woman or Batgirl trying to save the day. He finds her in her house in a small town doing her day-to-day -day activities, just walking out her life. And God shows up and says, now is the time for your purpose to begin. And he shows up and he greets her and he talks to her and he ministers to her. And he doesn't tell her, I know what you did last summer. I heard that word whenever I showed up. You shouldn't have said that word. I got to go now. He doesn't blame her for anything. He shows up, finds her, and what he does from God's approval is start loving on her. In Psalms chapter 139, verses 1 through 3, the writer of this psalm says, O oh Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. Aren't you glad that God knows you? He knows your relationships. He knows your name. He knows your strengths, and he knows your weaknesses. He knows that my weakness is that I can't sing and I can't play a musical instrument. And he gave me a wife who can do all those things. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows you're sitting down and you're rising up. He understands my thoughts afar off. Look at verse 3. You comprehend my path and my lying down. He understands where you're going. And he's acquainted with all my ways. Now look at this. He doesn't say he approves of all your ways. Remember, he's still not a fan of sin. He still doesn't approve of some of the paths that we have taken. But he wants to find us in that path to help us get on the right path. He understands how we got there and when we got there and why we got there. But he doesn't want you to stay on that path. He wants to find you and he wants to bring you to a better path. Because it says, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He wants to lead us, guide us, find us, and bring us somewhere that we've never been before and illuminate and change our course of our direction. In Psalms 23, verse 4, we know this scripture. It says, yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So he knows the good times and the bad times. Some of you right now feel like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Not only are you in the valley, you're in the valley where the sun's not even peeking through, so it's cold and it's weary, and it's also a shadow of death, just to stack on top of that. Oh, by the way, let me just add death to anything in Psalms and make it even sound even more intense as he writes. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because he's with you. He knows where you're at. He's watching you and he's trying and sending and doing all these things to get you 
to a better path. God wants to find you and help you, no matter whether you're in the highest mountain or the lowest valley, whether you're in the middle of the storm, whether you're hungry, lonely, lost. There was a story, a news story, that was brought to my attention. I read it recently. There's a village in Kenya called Asa, I believe, A-S-A. And there was a young boy with his brothers, and they were outside of the village, and they were herding animal. They were farming. And this was on November 28th. This isn't a story from many, many moons ago. This is a story that happened a couple of weeks ago. And this boy was four years old, and he was with his brothers on the outskirts of this village in Kenya, and a storm hit. And as they're trying to corral the animals, they lost sight of this four-year-old boy, and he disappeared from his brothers, from the herd, and from the village. And he was lost. And the village chief got a group of 70 people the next day to start looking for this boy. And they start scanning and fanning out, and they're tracking him, and they're looking and looking, and they find tracks up to four miles away from this village. Now, my daughter is three years old, so this story stuck home because my daughter likes to run outside and disappear if we're not watching her. So this four-year-old boy survived one night so far in the African wilderness, and day two happened. Day three happened, and they started losing the tracks of this boy. They couldn't find him. They didn't know what was going on. And the village chief heard that there was a local shelter close by. Um, uh, What did I call it? It's an elephant uh, wildlife trust. And he had heard that they had a helicopter. And he heard that just a couple of weeks before, Another village had lost somebody, and they went to this trust and asked them, can you use your helicopter to try and find this person? And they found them. So he goes to this trust, and he says, can y'all use the helicopter? Well, by day four, he's flying around, and he's looking around the village a couple of miles out, and he can't see this boy. But what he does see is packs of hyenas. He sees packs of animals that are running around this village. And he's fearing the worst. Day five, a storm happens again. And the villagers said, well, at least he now has water to drink if he's still alive. But they lost track of him between day four and day five. They went out toward the end of day five and they found his tracks miraculously again. Now nine miles away from the village. Four-year-old boy had traveled over nine miles away from the village. So the chief sent word on day six back to the trust and back to this man flying the helicopter. And they said, we found his tracks. He's nine miles out. Can you get up there and find him? He said, I'll get up there and find him. And he starts flying around nine miles out, 10 miles out, 11 miles out. And all of a sudden, he sees this from his helicopter. 11 miles away from the village, this four-year-old boy was found. As predators were circling around him, he survived six days out in the wilderness. And he had no way, the guy in the helicopter, to communicate down with the people, the 70 villagers that were running around. So he 
had to fly his helicopter around and get their attention. And finally, they realized that he had found them. And here's the next picture of the villagers. They found the boy and they start running to him. The next picture is them getting a hold of him. They found him. He once was lost, surrounded by predators, surrounded out alone by himself with nobody to love him or watch him, and he was found. The next picture, he landed his helicopter, and there's the man, let me say his name, Rowan Carr Hartley. Because of his help, the village gifted him a goat. And because of his great help in finding this boy, they named the boy Rowan. And his nickname in the village is now Pilate. And then the last picture I have of this story, there he is with the family in the village. This just happened. November 28th, six days later, he was found. Just like that boy, you once were lost as well. Surrounded by predators. Surrounded by the devil in the world trying to take you out. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And just like those villagers, we have tried everything that we could do to find God. We've tried everything that we could do in our own willpower to find God. But God from above, just like that helicopter, had a better view, had a better plan, had a better idea on how to find you. You might think your family members are lost. You might think your siblings are lost. You might think your coworkers are lost because you're on the same level as them on the earth and you're looking to help them in some way. But you've got to understand that God is higher. He is above and he's flying around and he found those people and he found you and he's done whatever he could. Because in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, this is Jesus speaking as he's saying why he is here on this earth. He says, I, for the Son of Man, has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Just like with Mary, God found Mary and God wants to find you. No matter where you're at in life, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how many miles away from the village you think you are from heaven, God will go and seek out the one lamb. He'll leave the 99 behind so he can find you, the one person. The person that you think is the most unsavable in your family, in your workplace, in your community, the one that's the most savable is the one that God wants to find. If he found Mary and he found us, he'll find them. Don't ever quit standing and believing and praying that God won't find the lost people in your house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God found you, amen? God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. Once Gabriel shows up and finds Mary in verse 28, and having come in, does that mean he opened the door or did he just show up? If I'm an angel, I'm just showing up. I'm not opening the door. But maybe he was polite and he knocked and then came in. The angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. The first things that 
he brings to her is not her sin. He doesn't condemn her. He doesn't yell at her. He's not frustrated with her. Where have you been, Mary? We've been trying to get Jesus here. And however old you are, we, we could have had Jesus a long time ago. What's taking you so long now that you're finally engaged? Why don't you say yes to him a long time ago? Let's go, let's go. Let's make this happen. No, no, no. He shows up. The first thing he says is be joyful because God favors you. God is with you and you are blessed. God gets to bless people because he is blessing. That's just what flows out of him. And he has the ability to dictate who he blesses because blessings just flow out of him. There are probably people in that town that were not fans of Mary. There were definitely people in that town that weren't fans of Mary after they found out that it wasn't Joseph's baby. Who got you pregnant? Oh, God. Of course he did. Sure. That's how it works. And the thing is, Joseph says that he didn't want to put her off. He didn't want to present her to the town in case she had committed adultery because the rules, according to the Jewish law, is if you committed adultery, they stone you in the town. This isn't he's trying not to embarrass her. He doesn't want to put her on blast on social media. He doesn't want the whisper tree to happen. No, no, no. If he makes the accusation that she committed adultery, that she got a baby from somebody else, what the thing was to do was to stone her. And he was trying not to do that. And then an angel showed up in his dream and said, wait, hold on. That really is God's baby. Don't, don't kill your fiance." She's blessed and she's highly favored. And God gets to choose who he wants to bless. Let's be honest. We have seen people in our own lives that God has blessed that we thought, there's no way. God, I can't believe. Do you know what they did? Did you see their pictures on social media? Did you see the text messages they sent me? There's no reason they should be blessed. There's no reason you should be blessed. But he blessed you. He blessed me. He blessed the church. And he'll bless whoever he wants to bless because God is blessing. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul writes and says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Who has blessed us. He's blessed you. He's blessed me. Make the Bible personal in your life. When you read the Bible, make it personable. So that way you know that God loves you. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed Jeremiah Paul Land with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places because of his son Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He's blessed me. Once he found me, he saved me, and saving is a blessing, right? Sometimes we in church have been in church too long and we forget how good salvation truly is. Salvation. There's a story in Numbers. You may or may not have heard it before. There's a king. His name's King Balak. And he sees the Israelites coming. And he sees what they have done to other people groups. And he sees that there is a God on their side that is stronger than the gods of other people. And that they have killed and moved and been protected. 
And so he decides he's going to get ahead of it. He said, I'm going to protect my people. I'm going to protect my land. I'm going to protect my finances. And he hires a prophet to curse the children of Israel. And this prophet shows up. And if you read the story, this is where the story is of the talking donkey. You ever heard that story before? The guy's riding the donkey and the donkey keeps seeing an angel and he keeps going different ways, and he keeps bucking Balaam, the prophet, off. And he gets mad, as most men do when something doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, what do you do? You throw it against something. And so he hits this donkey. What are you doing? Why do you keep throwing me off? Why do you keep smashing me into buildings? Finally, the donkey has enough. And he says, don't you see there's an angel right here? Don't you see that you're talking? Wait a second. And as God is trying to do whatever he can to change the path of Balaam, to tell him to go a different way, to not curse the people, if you read through the story, he tries to curse the Israelites four different times, and every time he opens his mouth, only blessing comes out. And King Balak is not happy about it. He said, I paid you to curse. Why do you keep blessing these people? And in Numbers 23, verses 19, 20, and 21, after he gives his second blessing over them, he says something that I quote a lot if you've heard me here. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man, there it is again, Dalton, that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Look at verse 20. Behold, prophet of Balaam is saying this, I have received a command to bless. He, being God, has blessed, and look at this, I cannot reverse it. Verse 21, he has not observed, God has, look at this, God, he has not observed iniquity in Jacob. Well, from Genesis to Numbers 23, I've observed a lot of iniquity that Jacob has done. He is nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. What about the golden calf? What, I mean, what are we doing here? The Lord is God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. Now, at this time, the Israelites did not have a king. King Saul, King David, and all those kings, they did not have a king at the time. But Balaam the prophet says, whenever I try to curse all I can say is blessing, and there is a shout of the king that is coming from his people, which means it's the king of kings and the Lord of lords that was declaring in the middle of his people that they are blessed, and there is nothing that can reverse that curse. Now you are children of the Most High God, and the Holy Spirit is inside of you, which means the shout of the king is inside of you and inside of me. And there is things in this world and there are people that are surrounding you that are trying to curse you and that are trying to bring you down. I can't believe you believe in that God. He hasn't answered your prayers yet. I can't believe you go to that church. I can't believe you read that book. That book isn't real. That book makes no sense. I can't believe you're standing on that promise. I can't believe. No, 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 no. He is blessed and that blessing cannot be reversed. And the shout of the king is inside of me, and the shout of the king is inside of you. You are blessed, not because of anything that you have done. 
outside of believing in the one who does all the blessing. And if God is on my side, then that means all his blessings are coming with him. Amen? Amen. He's blessed you. The last thing, God wants to give you a purpose. Luke chapter 1, verse 30 and 31. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Look at verse 31. He gives her direction. He gives her purpose. This is the reason that I'm here. This is the reason why you, Mary, have been created, why you have been put on this earth. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall be called Jesus. He shall be called Emmanuel. He shall be called the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords our Savior, the captain of our salvation, the author of our eternal salvation, the truth, the grace, the amen. He shall be called Jesus. That is your purpose. That yes, God found you and God blessed you, but he also has a purpose for you. He also has a job. He also has something that he wants you to do in his kingdom. We're kingdom builders. That's who we are as Christians. We go out and we destroy the kingdom of hell and we rebuild it with the kingdom of heaven. Everywhere we go. That's why churches are placed strategically in communities. We're tearing down the strongholds of racism here. We're tearing down the strongholds of poverty here. We're tearing down the strongholds of religion here. We're tearing those things down and we're building the kingdom of God. And it starts here in Press Church. That's what I believe. That's why I came here. We're tearing down hell and we're rebuilding heaven. As it is in heaven, let it be here on earth. Let this be a place of heaven. When people walk in, they find out that God found them. When they walk in here, they found out that God blessed them already. When they walk in here, they find their purpose of why God created them. Identity is such a big thing in this world right now. Everybody wants to have their own unique identity. I want to be this. I want to be that. Yeah, that's fine. Do whatever you want. But in God's kingdom, our identity is in Jesus. In Jesus. It says in Jesus, there is no male or female. There is no race. There is no color. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are. My identity is always, when I say yes to God, in Jesus. Read Ephesians chapter 1. And it says over and over again, in him, in him, you're blessed because in him. It's all about him. People out in the world are trying to find their unique individuality. But that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. I find my individuality in him. I find everything that I need in him. And we all come together underneath our king. Where are we at? Here we go. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship in him. We are his workmanship created where? In Christ Jesus. Read Ephesians. You want to know who you are? You want to find your identity? Read Ephesians and you'll see, highlight in your Bible, in him, in him. You'll run out of ink in your highlighter in Ephesians as you, as you highlight in him, in him, in him. As you read the Bible, look how many times in Paul's writing where he talks about in him. All of this is done in him, not on your own accord, not on your own work, but in him. For we are his workmanship. 
He's building us up for a purpose, created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As a Christian, you should be walking in good works. As your pastor, I am not a fan of sin. I do not condone sin. I do not approve sin because the book doesn't approve or condone sin. But we serve a God. I read it the other day. This guy, this pastor wrote something. He said, we serve a God who didn't sin and didn't condone sin, but he loves sinners. And he pulled them out. He found them in their sin, but he pulled them out of their sin. And he blessed them. And then he gave them purpose to go out and do good works. Don't go back in sin. Don't go back to the, what's the scripture say? As a dog returns to its vomit. Don't go back to the vomit. Leave it alone. I have to tell my dog that all the time. Quit eating that. Leave it alone. We're created in him for good works. We're not perfect as Christians. Listen, I'm not, as your pastor, I'm letting you know right now, I make mistakes. You can ask my wife. I make mistakes. I fail. I have shortcomings. But I know that I'm created for good works. So everything that I do is for good works. That we should be known as Christians, members of Press Church, hey, they do good. They're not out there terrorizing and tearing up the community. What church do you go to? Oh, they're from press. They do, they do good works. We help the community. We help people. We encourage people. We love people. We tell them about Jesus so that they can find what God has for them. For good works, which God prefers, that we should be walking in them. You should be walking in good works. 10% left. Uh-oh, we got to go. The battery's dying. Romans 12, 5 through 6. Paul's writing, and he says, so we... Remember us, he's talking to us, so we, being many, he's talking about the church, our one body. Look at this, hey, we're in a completely different book, and look what it says, in Christ, and individual members of one another. Verse 6, having then gifts differing, so we all have gifts, but they're differing according to the grace that is given to us. And this is the phrase that I want to I hone in on, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. And it goes on and lists a couple other things in Romans 12. You have been given gifts in God's kingdom. There are things that you can do that I can't do. There's things that God has gifted me to do that you can't do. But it all works together to make a beautiful symphony. Have you ever heard a symphony when somebody hits that wrong note? Everybody else is playing perfect, but that one person, twang! You're like, uh-oh, I was over there. Sorry, buddy. No, we all are in a symphony together. God has given us all gifts. We can't all be preachers. I need somebody in the, to listen. If we were just all up here with all mics, all sharing at the same time on Sunday, can't have everybody playing the musical instruments. We have people that are taking care of the kids right now. We have people that help clean behind the scenes. We have people that know how to do things that I can't do that help, that we all do this together to come together. And the gifts that you have, don't be ashamed of them. Don't be like, as Jesus talked about when he gave talents, one, two, and five, and they doubled their talents. They said, these are the gifts that God gave me. I can't wait to do what I can do with them, as opposed to the guy with one talent. So I just got one talent. I ain't got nothing special. And he goes and buries it. 
No, 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 we need you with the one talent because it says if you're faithful in the small things, he'll give you more. Be proud of that one gift. Be proud of those two gifts. Be proud of the five or 500 gifts that God gives you and do those good works. Don't neglect them like we talked about in 1 Timothy last week. I have tools here at the church and here at home that I don't use that often. They're power tools. I've got a saw that's upstairs right now. Now I need to bring home, but I haven't used it. So it stays upstairs. And it's got all the power to destroy anything that it wants that I push through that saw. But it's just sitting up there, not doing anything, not being used. I got drills at home. I've got hammers. I've got all these things, all these tools set up and designed and ready to go, but they're just sitting there, not being used, have all the potential in the world, have all the power in the world, but they're just sitting there. I need to use them and build something with them. You need to use the giftings that God has given you. Don't just, well, I've got the ability to do this, but no, no, I just can't do nothing with it. Don't let it just sit on the shelf. Don't let it just be wasted. Use it for good gifts. We all love breakfast. Well, we should love breakfast. I love breakfast. Finishing with this story. Whenever you go home, you want to fix you a nice breakfast, you probably fix you some type of eggs in regards to your breakfast. And if you're a real Christian Gentile, you want to get as much bacon on the plate as well. Good breakfast, a lot of eggs, a lot of bacon. Now, we have to understand the cost between the chicken and the pig to make you that breakfast. You see, where did I write it? The chicken was involved in your breakfast, but the pig was committed to your breakfast. We got eggs here today. No, it's fine. It's fine. We're halfway there. But she still, they still have chickens at their house because the chickens were involved in the breakfast. But that pig, he's real committed <laughs> to bringing that bacon to your plate, right? He ain't oinking no more. So many people in the body of Christ are like the chickens. They're involved, and they'll give when it's necessary or when they have to, but they're not willing to make the sacrifice like the pig and be committed. We as Christians are committed I'm committed to my wife. I've got to travel to go to Dallas. She's not worried that I'm involved in our marriage and I'm going to go to Dallas in a hotel by myself. No, no, no. She trusts me because we're committed. I'm not just involved in this relationship. I'm committed. You don't need to be just involved in church and show up when it's a blessing to you. Now, I'm not talking to you because you're here. I'm talking to the empty seats because there are people that aren't committed. Get involved because when you're committed, there's ownership. Amen. There's ownership. Yeah. This is my church. There's blood, sweat, and tears. All three of those <laughs> from me in this church because I use this all. <laughs> <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears because this is our church. I own this church. Get some ownership when you're committed. I'm not just going to show up and be involved. I'm going to be committed. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to show up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help. Just like in Mary's situation, God wants to find you. 
God wants to bless you. And God wants to give you a purpose. Now, he's done this before. This isn't just a one-time occurrence. You remember when God called Abraham, Abram at the time. He finds Abram, and he's where? With his family, and he tells him that you're blessed and highly favored. If anyone blesses you, you'll be blessed. If you curse anybody, they'll be cursed. And then he gives him direction. Get up and go. It's a theme throughout the Bible that God finds people, he blesses people, and then he changes the course of their life by pushing them down a new prosperous way. The last scripture I have, God spoke to Moses to instruct the priest to speak this blessing over the children of Israel. It's a a priestly blessing, you've heard it before, and I speak it over to you today. And it's the same three concepts And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse 23, speak to Aaron and his sons who were the priests of the Israelites at the time, saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. So say to them, verse 21, may the Lord bless you and keep you. If he's keeping you, that means he found you, right? If he's keeping you, then he's not searching for you. He's already got you. May the Lord bless you, keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, verse 26. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace. Give you peace. Which means he wants to change your direction of chaos. And he wants to bring you down a path of peace. And trusting and residing in him. Be like Mary and receive. God wants to find you. God wants to bless you. God wants to give you a purpose. Let's stand up as we get ready to go today. Amen. Amen. Hopefully you're blessed by that. Three days ago, I was... uh, in my daughter's bed, because she found her way in my bed. So sometime in the middle of the night, I picked her up, and we went back into her room, and uh, I put her back in bed, and I crawled back in bed with her. And I woke up that next morning, and about as soon as I opened my eyes, this whole sermon in regards to the scripture and the truths instantly filled my spirit. It's probably one of the first times that it's really happened like that where I woke up and heard God speak and just gave me this whole download of a sermon. And, uh, and so now I've kicked her out of that room, um, and that's my new bed. Uh, so I go to the shower, I go to the shower, and I go to that bed continually now uh, for sermon inspiration. So let's pray. Close y'all's eyes. I'm going to read this blessing over you again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May the Lord bless Press Church and keep Press Church. May the Lord make his face shine upon Press Church and be gracious to Press Church. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon Press Church and give Press Church peace. May the Lord bless the town and the surrounding areas of Williston and keep Williston. The Lord make his face shine upon Williston and be gracious to Williston. The Lord lift up his countenance upon Williston and give Williston peace. Father, I thank you that you found us. 
Father, I thank you that, number one, you were searching for us. You didn't just leave us to figure this life out on our own, but you were searching for us. Not only did you search for us, you found us. And when you found us, you didn't condemn us because there is no more condemnation through those who believe in Christ Jesus, it says in Romans. But now that you found us, you blessed us. You blessed us with your son. You blessed us with salvation. You blessed us with all the promises of God and all the promises of the new covenant. And then you gave us purpose. You told us why we're here and that you've called us to be a part of the church and you've called us to be a part of your kingdom and to go out and destroy hell and bring heaven to this earth. And Father, we decide today to not just be invested but be committed. We want to be committed like that pig to your church. We want to be committed to you. We want to be committed in our relationships In everything that we do, we want to give glory and honor to God because you've created us through Christ Jesus to operate in good works. And Father, let us not neglect those good works. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for the people that you have brought to this church and the people that you're bringing to this church. I thank you for sons and daughters coming to this church, being a part of this church so that we can be an influence in this community. Father, I thank you that we are the shining light And we will shine and repel darkness from this area and from this community. Father, I thank you and I pray scripture over these people right now. I surround them with your word. I wash them with your word where it says you sent your word and you healed them from destruction. Father, by Jesus' stripes, they are already healed. Father, I thank you they have the mind of Christ. Everything they put their hands to prospers. Father, the favor of God surrounds them like a shield so they have favor with God and with man. Every time they lie down in peace, they will sleep in the name of Jesus because in you is where they dwell in safety. Father, I thank you that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Greater are you that's in them than anything that can come against them in the world. And we know that if God is for us, then who can be against us? Father, I thank you that we are the shining light. We are a city set on a hill and we refuse to be hidden in this earth. Father, we will shine and diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus everywhere we go, whether we're at work, whether we're at home, throughout the holidays, everywhere we go, we let people know that we are in Jesus and they can be too if they just believe his gospel message. Father, bless them, protect them, cause them to prosper in everything they do and bring them back safely next Sunday. And Father, move the rain in Jesus' name so that this parade can happen. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're a part of the play, please stay so we can do a quick run through. God bless you, we love you. We'll see y'all next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.